Alright, what's up, cadaver pups? I uh, hope you're getting ready for the holidays and finishing up your 2021 without catching the Omicron virus. We're here with Brandon Christensen, the director of Superhost. What's up, Brandon? What's up, guys? Uh, that seems like a fitting introduction for this film. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, you know, like just getting ready for Christmas. I've got the kids all excited and out of school now. So they're, um, yeah, they're getting hyped up. And so that's the exciting part of, for me is just to, to sort of try and surprise them with some stuff. And I've got some cool stuff that we're doing for them. But um, yeah, it's a... Uh, you know, it's, it's cool. It's cooling down. I'm in Las Vegas, so it's just getting colder. You know, it's like in the high 30s, low 40s, surprisingly cold. And oh, uh, wow. I know. And so it's been, uh, yeah, it's just been doing all the family events and stuff like that. Uh, but it's been cool. And I'm just starting to prep up for another film that I'm going to be shooting soon, which uh, I'm excited about. And uh, yeah, I mean, Superhost came out this year and it's been really fun to watch it kind of take over, uh, you know, a lot of people's uh, just sort of like what they've been watching this year and seeing the reactions to what we did with Rebecca and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's been a fun fall for sure. Um, in case our audience hasn't seen Superhost, would you mind telling us a little bit about it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Superhost is a Shutter exclusive that came out uh, earlier this fall. It's about two uh, YouTube vloggers that review vacation rentals and they stay at a vacation rental with a host that'll do anything for a good review. So it kind of has this creep meets green room, you know, people who aren't who they claim they are. Everybody is in this tight little space and things kind of boil over and go insane. But um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It's definitely a lot different than my first two films, which were a lot darker and more serious in tone. This one has a lot more levity to it and more comedy. And it was fun to kind of take a break from that, from the, the darkness and, and kind of play with some lighter horror stuff. So it was, it was really cool. Awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. I, it feels like something that we should have seen before, but the characters are just so interesting and they just work mm -hmm. in a way that was really surprising that cool. I found myself just enjoying the entire movie. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah. Social media horror is definitely something that's been around, you know, it's just people are, are doing it, but I feel like people like to see YouTubers get their comeuppance. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I don't think that there's going to be a shortage of them going into the future. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I like your previous film Z as well, by the way. Cool. Thanks, dude. Uh, Devin's not here right now, but we've got Rob and I and Brandon, and we're going to be counting down our top three children in horror. Brandon, you want to kick us off with your number three pick? Yeah, I had I had four just in case there was a backup. But number three, I would do <laughs> Esther from uh, Orphan, nice. which I guess technically is a lie. You know, if you've seen the film, you know, that's yeah. not true. But <laughs> it I mean, for the purposes of the film, it is, you know, until the ending, it is kind of uh, the creepy kid. Yes. But this was a film that I heard about when it came out. And it was one of those things where it's like people started talking about it because of the twist. And I mean, we're, we're going to be spoiling it, obviously, but um it's one of those things that you hear and you're just like that's the stupidest thing i've ever heard you know you read the wikipedia <laughs> summary and you're like how does that work in a movie and then you watch it and it totally works like it it, it i knew what was going to happen i knew how everything but the way that they did it and cinematically and everything it just everything fell into place just right for me and it was just awesome like i, I love that film it's i think it's so cool I like uh, it only adds to it that's based on a true story also. I would imagine loosely. <laughs> There's so much mystery around the actual events. It's like it's hard to even tell what actually happened. So the movie itself is so much more interesting in that regard. Plus, I mean, the actress is a child in the right. movie. So I don't think you're wrong picking that one. 
In fact, yeah. my wife, that was her first choice on this list. Mm. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah, it's like solidly creepy. Um I'm 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 gonna try not to say what this twist is specifically, but sure. when it happens, it's it's scary. It's it it it, it feels like a sort of uncanny valley esque mm-hmm. experience. I think I think all three of my picks are gonna be things that's kind of just like there is definitely just sort of that the fucking around with your ex are we allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah, yes. go ahead. Okay. I, I won't do it much, but screwing around with your expectations, <laughs> uh, you know, and just sort of, you know, you've got the family unit and they're kind of being ripped apart by these little creatures. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to do children horror because, I mean, one, I've done it twice, but because it's just kind of, uh, it's kind of like clowns. You look at a kid, they're not supposed to be scary. You look at a clown, they're not supposed to be scary, but for some reason, when you see them under the right light, it, it does sort of, you know, change into this horribly dark thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. Esther and I just, you know, you got Peter Skarsgård, you've got uh, Vera Farmiga, and it's just, they're they're just mm-hmm. great performances. It's just a very grounded film, even though it's kind of insane what they're doing. And Isabel Furman steals the movie anyway. Yeah. Even with those great actors. For sure. Yeah, yeah she's wonderful. I, I know Devin keeps floating it as a possible pick for us to be covering on the pod, and if we ever get around to that, then you will hear my very hot takes about my <laughs> unique reading of the movie. <laughs> Right. Right. I got you. So now uh, I think it's my turn for my number three, and I'm pretty excited to throw a wrench in all your expectations. Okay. I'm going to pick Vivian from Dawn of the Dead 2004, which is by far the best scene of the movie. It's when he opens the door and the little girl comes out with her face half chewed off and bites him in the neck. That is one of my all time favorite. Yeah. The first zombie we really see in the movie. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. I want to shout out to Hannah Lochner, who played Vivian in Dawn of the Dead 2004 and scared the shit out of my dad in theaters. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that was a great movie. That was just like, it shouldn't have been as good as it was, you know? I, I think it's his best movie. Yeah. It yeah. could be. That's sure. a low bar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's my guilty pleasure zombie movie. I love it. I, I mean, we did a whole episode on, on both Dawn of the Dead movies. Um and yeah, that that scene is great. I mean, it's uh, it's a fun movie, but the opening is really like the strongest part of the film, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's just it's really good prosthetic makeup. She looks like a little dead girl and I'm OK with it. Mm-hmm. Was that the first movie with running zombies? No. no. Or was it 28 days later? Neither. Neither? Return to Living Dead, I think. Did that have it? Return to Living Dead at Running Zombies. Huh. And smart zombies. Yeah, Nightmare City has running zombies, and that's in the 80s. Wow, okay. Honestly, in the, in the original Night of the Living Dead, the first zombie has a pretty fast walk. He doesn't mm-hmm. sprint, yeah. but he, he moves pretty quick. Right. Yeah, you're not wrong. So, David, what is your number three? I'm dying to know here. Cool, so this is uh, also a bit out of the box, uh, but hopefully not into the cornfield. Uh, <laughs> I went with... Anthony Fremont from the Twilight Zone episode, It's a Good Life. Wow. Remind me what happened at that one. So this episode is from season three of the original Twilight Zone in the 60s. And it has this little six-year-old kid who has the ability to make things happen with his mind. Hmm. And he basically takes this whole town hostage he cuts them off from communication with the outside world. He gets rid of all of the televisions and musics that he can create his own. And everyone in this town has to be happy 
and think good thoughts about him at all times, or else he will send them to the cornfield. Hmm. This is the one with the jack in the box, right? He turns a guy into a jack yes. in the box. Yes. Okay, yes. that's what I thought you were going for. <laughs> but it's been like 15 years since I've watched the Twilight Zone. Yeah, that's a great episode. Hmm. I've never seen that one. No? It's brilliant. I strongly recommend I just rewatched it again this morning. It's on Hulu now. Okay. It's really creepy because throughout so much of it, the script almost works as just like basic 60s era domestic oh you should do this little child and oh we're all feeling so happy but because you know what's going on so it becomes so insanely tense Hmm. that like oh you guys have to say all of this you have to pacify this kid and just imagining some little brat getting the ability to do whatever the fuck he wants Mm. there's probably (laughs) a really good uh societal commentary on like censorship and like media involvement with children somewhere in there but it's been so long since i've seen it i probably can't comment like intellectually on it i think there is uh he gets rid of the the tvs that aren't his tvs he won't let the one guy listen to the record that he gets for his birthday so yeah i think that there's definitely some commentary on censorship in there and just like fascism in general that you're not allowed to say anything against him right it's fantastic brandon what was your number two pick uh, I had Gage from Pet Cemetery, which nice. is just like that's a classic one. I mean, just him killing uh, Judd with the the scalpel, uh, you know, or the take out the Achilles tendon, and then the the little kid thing is always just terrifying. You know, it's a little kid <laughs> with a knife, and and it's funny because the kid was in like Full House. He was, uh, you know, uh, Mary Kay Ashley Olsen's friend, and then you see him under this separate thing, and it's just a the just the amount of. I mean, I've worked with kids and they're, it's always hard, but you've got this kid that's playing a legit villain and he's actually terrifying. And that's, that's awesome. I mean, just, just pulling, you know, uh, ignoring the movie, just thinking from production side to put that kind of weight on a little kid's shoulders like that. Cause he can't be more than like five, you know, and I've worked with, like, I've even, I've shot with my kids and they're not actors. And you know, when they were in the fives <laughs> or something like that, and I can't imagine getting a performance like that out of them because it's just so it's crazy you know it's just like his his everything the scowls the grimaces just he's just a silent killer like and it's just it just totally works but yeah that movie is that movie's super effective i never saw the the new one with the i think it's a little girl in that one yeah is it yeah terrifying stuff you know i just showed that movie to my wife for the first time like three days ago (laughs) and she was terrified of gage and a little boy in a blouse never scared me so much. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, and that scene where he kills the old guy and he cuts his Achilles tendon, I, I think that haunted me for like 10 years when I was a little kid. Right. Well, it's one of those things that it just kind of, you know, those earworms that just sort of live with you when the movie's mm-hmm. over. So every time you step off your bed, you're just like, oh, you know, you want to kick your feet out a little bit further just so this little kid's not going to slice you open. Those are just always awesome. And it's like a be careful what you wish for a situation. Definitely tragedy of losing there's so much there's such a big emotional component to it and um i i I started the book long time ago i don't think i ever finished it but i think the movie does a great job of just sort of building it up with like the cat and you know you can't really tell a cat's evil or if it's just being a dick but then you know you you take that next step and it it comes back as this evil kid and you've got to do you kill your kid that's already i don't know it's just as a you know as a father myself it's just a terrible situation to be in fully just from the beginning to the end of that film i I think it definitely like 
the emotional weight really turned a lot of people off because if you look at the critical reviews of the movie, it's still panned today and it was good right. enough to make a remake and make sequels. I think it's one of the scariest films I've seen. But right. personally, I mean, I saw it when I was like maybe seven years old the first time mm-hmm. and Zelda scared the shit out of me. So. Yeah, for sure. That's a classic. Yeah. Is she is she in the new one? Is there a Zelda character? Yes, although I don't remember her in the new one, so I, I don't think it was as effective. Right. It's been a while since I've seen the original. Zelda's the thing I mostly remember from the original. Right. Yeah, in the remake, they just swapped out the, the boy for the girl. Right. Oh. Which I think they might have also just done because the girl is slightly older, so they were able to get an actor who's had a bit more experience right. and whatnot and is very capable. And she's great in the movie, and the makeup in the remake is fantastic. Did the original still ha- also have this idea? Because there's sort of like an existential horror in it that uh, when you die, there is nothing. And since they bring someone back, this kid's able to confirm there's nothing beyond the grave. Mm. I, I don't know i mean it focuses definitely on the cat and gauge i don't think anybody else comes back mm. uh, i just know i just like the you know dead is better it's just such a a, a creepy uh yeah, thing god it, it always gets me when she yells like watch the baby and gauge is running that's such yeah, a fucked up scene it's brutal they should use that movie as like an advertisement for fences <laughs> yeah my number two is uh, maybe some antinatalists out there are going to enjoy this one. The Brood. Yeah. The little kids with no navels who attack our lead character in one of <laughs> David Cronenberg's best films. Hmm. Great movie. I watched it because you kept telling me about it. I love The Brood. Yeah, The Brood's fantastic. Brandon, if you haven't seen this, it's, I, I haven't. definitely recommend it. It's early Cronenberg, 1979, mm-hmm. I think. Rob, I'll let you pitch it. It deals with those kind of like uh, go-away therapy camps that I think were a lot more popular in the 70s and 80s. But if your girlfriend is ever telling you to go off to like a meditation resort or something where you're kind of isolated from society for a few days, I think this movie kind of deals with that same kind of subject matter. So the spiel is that his wife goes to a closed off encampment with Oliver Reed, who might be one of the greatest actors who ever lived. Uh, He's a therapist who has realized her rage in a way that manifests in actual evil babies who go out and attack her husband or her ex-husband sounds terrifying yeah how did they do the babies what was the was it just little kids yeah it was just okay. well okay at the end there's some gross shit that's just cronenberg-esque but it, <laughs> it's just kind of like orange kids with no belly buttons it's weird and claws he didn't write it did he uh i don't know i have google right here i'm just curious if the script said you know these babies with no navels or if it was uh something he put in they they make a point about it in the movie because okay yeah uh the no navels thing suggests that they weren't uh actually born oh interesting Mm -hmm. there's no umbilical cord huh that's cool that's smart i like it yeah it was written by it's a cronenberg original he wrote it also you gave the big shout out to oliver reed but i want to give the big shout out to samantha eggers who I don't know if I've seen her in anything else, but I'm sad that I haven't because she gives like a fucking Oscar-worthy performance in that movie. She's brilliant. Yeah, she is awesome. For my number two, even just saying this is going to be a spoiler. So if, if you look at our recent episodes and you know what I'm talking about, then you're good. If you don't, then you're welcome to skip a couple minutes. But uh, I'm going with Luke Lerner from Better Watch Out. <laughs> is that the new Christmassy one? Yeah. Okay. 
I remember that was playing the festival when Stillborn was. Yeah, I never saw that one either. It was one of those ones that just sort of missed me. I've heard it's cool, though. Yeah. Spoilers for like half an hour into the movie. Mm -hmm. But basically, it presents itself in the beginning as like, it looks like a cheesy Hallmark movie, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, And it almost begins acting that way. But then there's like little home invasion plot and whatnot. And then it turns out that that entire thing is a red herring Mm. and this annoying kid who she is babysitting is like just a full-blown psychopath pretty much who is arranging all of these events just to like kidnap her try to be with her i don't want to say what his actual plan is because you don't really find out until the end of the movie right uh but i i love it because he feels very very real Mm -hmm. like it's a surprisingly accurate and realistic and grounded take on what a psychopath would be even down to the part where like his plan isn't always good sometimes he's just an idiot (laughs) it reminds me of like funny games meets hallmark movie that's funny so i think uh before we jump to number ones we have to read through our third member of our trio of cadaver dogs who isn't here right now she gave us our list of three evil children so, Devin, in her number three, she put the twins from Goodnight Mommy, which is, I think it's a German film. You guys dug deep. I never saw that one. Basically, it has these two creepy twins who their mother comes back home from plastic surgery. She's wrapped up in all these bandages. And when the twins, when they're talking to her, come to the conclusion that she isn't their real mom, that she's been replaced. Weird. And you don't know for most of the movie uh, whether they're right or wrong. But in in their attempts to expose her, they, like, get really fucked up and dark. And it is creepy as hell. Hmm. At some point in the movie, it just goes full-blown torture porn. It's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. What's her number two? Her number two um, is Dylan in New Nightmare. Oh, cool. oh. yeah. Now, he was really good in that. Yeah, he's great. He's actually the same actor who played Gage in Pet Cemetery. Yeah, I don't think great he can actor. top Gage, but... <laughs> right. I, I love that that's the same actor showed up on two different lists. <laughs> and then her number one, she put Paranorman from Paranorman. Nice. I've never seen that. It's like a cool little animated stop-motion movie. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Oh, <laughs> sure. Oh, right. Now, uh, yeah, you're kind of churning the cogs. I remember a trailer or something. So I'm really excited. I want to know what Brandon's number one child horror is. I mean, it just, I mean, because a lot, you guys are not even necessarily, you're going like with the character more. And I was thinking of like creepy kid movies. So I had two that I I wasn't sure which to pick. The one that messed me up more was definitely um, Isaac from Children of the Corn. Hmm. That's just sort of like the creepy kid personified. He looks like Damien or something like that. He's got the biblical stuff. He's running all these kids that are much older than him. And it's just, there's something about having something so small be so powerful. And then when you add the supernatural element at the end, it's just like, it's all just insane. But the I, I kind of want to throw a shout out to Macaulay Culkin in The Good Son because uh that's another film where it's basically those you know him and elijah are on screen for 80 percent of the film like they're the movie they were like 11 and 13 or something like that when they shot that and that is just something you don't really see anymore you know you'll if you have a kid movie they're kind of held back to allow the adults do it and you're kind of reacting to the kid being creepy or whatever you know but in that movie they are fully the front the face everything of that film 
And other than a few lines that are just pretty bad, like there's this one where Macaulay Culkin has this little like nail gun thing that they built and he fires it at a cat and it just misses it. And Elijah's like, wow, great shot. And he's like, yeah, but the site's not right yet. And it's just this, it's such a terrible line. But I mean, beyond the music, which is awful and the comic sans font in the beginning and the credits, it's a pretty cool movie. I mean, just to, it's just mind boggling to think that, you know, a studio would greenlight something that puts that much faith into two kids. I mean, I know they're huge at that point, you know, Macaulay was the, Kevin McAllister, but it's still just that. I mean, that doesn't really happen anymore, you know, just putting that much faith in two kids to just carry something like that. I haven't seen The Good Son. What's the, the basic pitch for it? It's basically, I think uh, Elijah Wood's mom dies and he goes to live with his uncle and his cousin, Macaulay Culkin, and they're staying with them and he's just a like an evil kid. Like he's just a slow, hmm. bad influence and stuff like that is trying to basically corrupt Elijah and blame him for stuff. It's a, it's a very kind of a slow burn, but just how insane it gets by the end it's just great performances by kids uh, and it's cool. So, I mean, Isaac's great. Malachi also great, but uh, Macaulay Culkin, it's just uh, pretty fun to watch. <laughs> He's just a legit actor too. Like, like Gage from pet cemetery, that mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. It's crazy. His career has really still continued since then. Too bad for Gage. Uh, he's still in stuff here and there. Have you seen the good son Rob? No, I actually haven't. Really? Okay. Yeah. Cool. I got you on one. Yeah, nice. you guys. <laughs> I'm surprised you got David on any of them. That guy's seen more movies than anybody. Nice. There's always a few that I haven't seen when we do these lists. So my number one, which I'm wondering if you guys have seen, I'm sure you've seen one of the versions of, is Eli from Let the Right One In. Okay. Is it Eli or Ellie? It might be Ellie. I don't know. It's probably Ellie. <laughs> I never saw the remake, just the original. Same. I like the original much more, but the remake is still good. So she's played by Lena Lederson. It's just, it's interesting to watch a vampire movie with a twist where the twist is she's just grooming someone to be her guard, pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And within that, there's like a strange love story between two children. Yeah. Which kind of devolves from an odd, not really appropriate relationship we get an idea from from her original guardian in the beginning. It also has an acid scene, which is like disgusting. That might be the remake. Now I'm getting confused. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't remember that. I do remember ha- it having like the the ultimate pool scene. Yes. Yeah. And that's one of those things where it's like if you saw him doing what he's doing, I don't think it would be as effective as not seeing anything mm-hmm. and just sort of experiencing it through the little girl. Um, that was that was dope. That's just one of those moments that sticks with you. Yeah. All right. So David, what's your number one? Since I'm tongue tied and I can't come up with much to say, what's your number one? <laughs> Um, I'm actually surprised this wasn't on your list, Rob. There's there's sort of two different versions of this character, and I wasn't sure whether to count them as the same or separate. So I'm just going to plug them both. Uh, Samara or Sadako mm. from The Ring, our Rengu. Mm. For sure. I mean, the meter, there was just no question that she had to be at the top. She's uh, on Icon for a reason, and yeah. I those movies are great. <laughs> they are. Yeah, I know. I saw on a lot of lists, like getting ready for this, that the kid from The Grudge was on here too. And I think it's weird that that kid was on more lists than Sadako, who's, you know, yeah. more of like a main character and more like sure. iconic than just the blue yeah. kid with the weird vocals. It's like there's nothing much scarier than this little girl with no fingernails crawling out of your TV mm-hmm. to to kill you with mm-hmm. her mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm fucked up because my wife looks just like her, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, at Halloween, Robin and his wife tried to go as, like, the kid from the grudge and the woman from the grudge, but mm-hmm. it, it didn't it didn't work because everyone just thought his wife was Sadako. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even on Halloween, people didn't want to sit near her on the subway. Like, she was getting double takes the whole time. <laughs> That's cool. That's a great movie. I mean, just top to bottom, it's like, in my opinion, I think it's like the perfect horror movie because it's it's longer. It's it's got a lot more involving, uh, you know, the whole mystery element and stuff like that. But it pays off so well, and it has the ultimate jump scare with the girl in the closet. Mm-hmm. That was another movie that when you leave, every time you know you see snow on TV, you're just like, it's terrifying. You're like, ah, shit, turn it off. So that that's always really cool. Yeah, and it's like that uh, double take you have to take seven days after you watch the movie. You got to think, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I love that the movie sort of wraps itself up. Uh, I I guess it's a spoiler, but come on, guys, it's story. It sort of wraps itself up in a way where you think the movie is over. Like, oh yeah, they helped her out. She's not really that evil. Everything's good now, and the curse is resolved. And then uh, Nomi Watson is just like, you weren't supposed to help her. <laughs> and then it goes to that final scene. That's just the scariest thing ever. It's like, oh no, this girl is just fucking evil. It also has like the greatest cold open outside of Scream of all time. It's just mm. the two babysitter, you know, girls house sitting or whatever. They get the, it, it establishes the rules. So concise. it's like seven minutes long, but it's just like the perfect, buildup of scares it's just you know if you were like a buyer of a movie or something like that and you're seeing it at like a foreign market you would buy that movie based off of that cold open just because it's (laughs) so effective um yeah just it's it's great great film great film yes brilliant all right so i think that pretty much wraps it up thanks for coming on brandon uh and for you you guys listening please look us up on cadaver dogs pod at instagram facebook and Twitter. Send us a message and maybe we'll cover some of your films or we'll do a mini-sode about it and we'll get one of your favorite filmmakers on here to talk about their new film coming out. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. It was awesome. Check out Superhost on Shudder and have a happy holidays, everybody. See you guys. See you guys.